0: It really was a picture of what I wanted to just um, encourage you with this morning as we look at the third part of our vision about being fruitful in our lives. And um, to do that, we're going to look at John chapter 15. So in your Bibles, please uh, find John chapter 15. I'm not going to speak very long this morning because we have also want to speak to you about some of the goals that we have for the year, but I I trust this will be a a really simple encouragement to you this morning. Um, It simply says... I'm going to read the first 10 verses. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might be in you, and that your joy might be full. Father, I pray that you'd help me to encourage our church this morning and that you speak to us through your words, and I pray, Lord, that... <clears throat> The simplicity of what I share would, would hit home in our hearts and uh, would change us. Lord, we want to live lives that are, are fruitful for you in every way. So help us by the power of your Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the context of this, um, these words of Jesus are the last night that he was betrayed, <clears throat> and that's very important. For us to remember, this is the last thing that He spoke to His disciples before He was crucified. And um, I've always wondered why that would be. But I I believe that that Jesus chooses this moment to share this um, very simple illustration with His disciples because He wants us to understand, every believer, that He has an abundant life that He wants us to enjoy. He has a fruitful life for all of us. And he wanted to remind his disciples of that before he went to the cross. So very simply, I want to look at that whole issue of fruitfulness as it's part of our vision as a church to be fruitful and to live fruitfully for the Lord. Uh, if you look at verse 1 and 2, verse 5 and verse 8, it makes it very, very clear. God is interested in fruit for, in your life and He's interested in in fruit in my life. And it says there that he wants us to bear much fruit. He wants us to be increasingly fruitful because at the end of the day, that's what brings glory to him. He is glorified when our lives are fruitful and speak to others and they can see the fruit of Christ in our own lives. And so Jesus uses this very simple picture of a vineyard to com- try and convey this deep truth to every single believer. with with a very simple example. We have been left on this planet to bear much fruit for us. And I love traveling to the Mediterranean. We try and go every year uh, to one of the Mediterranean countries. And the vineyards are always really, really beautiful. And I always just enjoy walking around and enjoying a vineyard. But Jesus says, he uses a very simple picture. He says that he is the vine. And uh, a traditional vine, if you've been to Europe, you know it's kept, thank you, you know that it's kept at waist height on a trellis, and it's kept at waist height so that the vine dresser can easily access the vine and he can um, prune it so that these old, gnarled um, vines can produce good fruit. So Jesus says he is that vine in our lives. Simply, he says, secondly, that the Father is the vine dresser, the Father is the one who is interested in in getting grapes out of our lives. And uh, he has a single task. If you, if you know a, a vineyard, the person who owns the vineyard is interested in one thing. He wants to get as many pounds of grapes out of those vines as he can. He wants to maximize the yield. He wants it to be healthy. He wants it to be fruitful and prosperous so that he can get the maximum yield out of the vine. In the same way, God wants the maximum yield out of your life and my life. He wants us to bear fruit as much as is possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, Jesus just says, He says, The branches are you and I. And the branches are the complete focus of the Father, who is the vine dresser. Your and my life is the absolute focus of the Father, because He wants us to bear fruit. And the branches are all tied into the trellis, and they are tied into the vine. They are they, they are Um, knitted into the vine so that they can get the maximum air, they can get the maximum sunlight to to produce the maximum amount of grapes. And so it is for you and I. Our lives, as they are increasingly knitted into the life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we get the maximum air from the Holy Spirit, we get the maximum sunlight from the Father, we can use that as an illustration, and then we begin to bear the maximum amount of fruit. So, the question is why would Jesus use this simple trans, uh, uh, illustration and talk about grapes when he knew that he was about to die? Well, simply because he wanted us to see our lives from the Father's perspective in what he wants for us over our whole life. He wants us to be fruitful for our entire lives and to live for him. And what is the fruit that God wants from us? Well, The obvious thing to say is that God wants people to come into his kingdom. He he wants salvation, and that is true. But it's not here. There's no reason to believe that Jesus is just speaking about people being saved. Um, And I say that because the rest of the Scripture helps us to understand, all over the New Testament in particular, good works and fruit, the words are used interchangeably in the Scripture and in the Old Testament as well. So, for example, Titus 3.14 says this, Speaking of the church, speaking of us as believers, it says, Let our people, that is the church, learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So here we have the thing where Paul connects good work, doing good for others, as fruit that God longs to see in our lives. We know that we are not saved by our good works. I've spent lots of time trying to help us understand that. Our works don't save us. Our confidence is not in our works. Our confidence is in the Holy Spirit and in faith in Jesus. But here Paul says that good works are pleasing to God and are evidence of fruit. And so in a Jewish context, the the, the disciples would have have understood that completely and understood this, um, this uh, illustration immediately. Um, they would have been steeped in Psalm 1 verse 3, for example, which says, A righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. That was their context. They they knew the Old Testament. They would have found this illustration quite clear in what Jesus was saying. And so I want to put it to you that as we look to our own lives, as we look to the next 20 years of this church, as we look to this year, that as we give ourselves to hearing the Holy Spirit— And hearing him in our lives speak to us, what we want to see in every life in this church, I want to see it in my life, is I want to see fruit of good work. And that is anything that we think, anything that we do, any action that we might uh, do that brings, that, that God values and says is precious and brings glory to him. That's what good work is. And all of us, I trust, would want to see our lives used increasingly like that. And so I want to say quite simply to to, to us today, a very simple two things. We bear fruit, first of all, on the inside of our lives. Uh, And immediately I hope that you would remember Galatians that we studied a number of years ago. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 22 onwards says this, that the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So how do we know that we are bearing fruit? How do we know that we are growing in Christ? Well, we can take a very simple look in our own lives. Each of us, uh, you know, Michael Jackson saying about the man in the mirror, didn't he? Best to look at the man in the mirror first. And so every time we get up in the morning, and some of us shave, some of us don't, whatever your ablutions are in the morning, when you're looking at yourself in the, mor- in the mirror, a good question to ask of your own life day by day, am I growing in kindness, peace? Patience, gentleness, self-control. This is the evidence of the good fruit in my life that God wants to see. So there's an inward fruitfulness that God wants to see. And at the same time, there's an outward fruitfulness that God longs to see as well as He works through us by the power of His Spirit. And as we do things for Him, that brings glory to Him. That's what the Scripture says here. And so that would include sharing our faith. But listen to what Paul says also in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. He says this, I love the scripture, God is able to make all grace abound to you, amen, all grace, all that you need, every good thing abound to you so that in all things, I love this verse because there's so many all's in it, all grace, all things at all times, having all that you need, he's promised to us, you will, why does he give us all that we need at all times in, in, in every way? so that in all things we might abound. There's a generosity even in that language, isn't there? Abounding in every good work. That's why He lavishes His grace on our lives. That's why He gives us all things that we need, so that we can abound in every good work and bring glory to Him. So um, it's, this fruit, fruit is incredibly valuable and important to God. Jesus says in verse 16, I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. And so I said to the leaders yesterday that fruit really is the deposit that we have in heaven that is a permanent guarantee for us. And so I want to encourage you that uh, we would give ourselves, every one of us this year and for the next 10 years, to allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us inwardly so we can live outwardly in a way that brings glory to Him and through our lives. An abundance of good fruit would be seen by everybody through the life of this church, that this church would be known as a fruitful, abundant, generous, life-giving, transforming community because of the living Christ inside you and the living Christ inside of me. That's the dream that God has for our lives, that we would be remarkably, abundantly fruitful. And that's my prayer for the next 10 years, for this year, for the next decade, that all of us would be abundantly fruitful. Now, I just want you to see lastly, and then we're going to talk about some practical things. Do you notice these various levels of fruitfulness? If you look at that portion, it says it's, um, it's possible to have no fruit in your life, and then God begins to prune. It's possible to bear some fruit, and it's possible to bear more fruit, and then it says much fruit. So there are levels of fruitfulness, and God wants us all to be fruitful and move from one level of fruitfulness to another. And there's always more possible in Him because there's always more of the Holy Spirit available to us. And so it's a good question to take an audit every now and then of your own life and to say, how much fruit am I seeing? Not in an introverted way, but am I changing? Is there, is there a transformation that is happening in my life that is obvious? And I would hope, I've said this before, that if Helen was to get up here, that she would say that I'm not the same person that she married. If she said that I was the same person, I would be quite disappointed, because I hope that I've changed. I hope that over the last 27 years, I'm not the same person that I was when we met as young people. We were saying in bed last night, we were the young people, now we're the old people. What happened? Where did the last 27 years (laughs) go so quickly? So... How then do we become more fruitful? It's good to ask ourselves that question. And then I do, I do want to um, just clarify one thing here. And, and uh, uh, I was chatting before the meeting with someone. Um, it says here, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I want to just look at that verse and what that means. I'm aware that in the second half of the chapter, it talks about the branches being thrown into the fire. That's a discussion for another day. I don't want to do that now, right? I can't do everything. I've got 10 minutes. So here, yeah. what does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus says, that when we do not bear fruit, He takes us away. And um, does that mean that we cease becoming Christians? Does that mean that we lose our salvation, that He takes us away and that we are no longer in Him? Well, that cannot possibly be true because so many other places in the New Testament, we are repeatedly told, and uh, um, the Scripture encourages us, that we are in Christ, that we are already clean that we are in him, we are saved, uh, and we don't lose our salvation just like that. 1 Corinthians, 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Ephesians 2 verse 10, Philippians 3 verse 9. There are a multitude of scriptures that you can look at yourself. What he is saying is that it's possible to be saved, possible to be in Christ as a branch, but not be fruitful. That's what he's saying. And our lives can sometimes be a testament of that. We go through weeks or months where we don't feel particularly fruitful or, um, or productive, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit again starts to do things in our lives. And so, uh, again, Ephesians 2 verse 8 tells us, By grace you've been saved through faith, and not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not your work, lest anyone should boast. So we're not, we know we're not saved by our works. It's by grace. Um, so then what, what is Jesus meaning when he says... He takes us away. Well, I think there's an answer in two parts. The first part is this, that the Greek actually there for the word translated as takes away is the Greek word airo, A-I-R-O, which can be translated in a number of ways. It can also be translated as take up or lifts up. So I actually feel that the translation is not as accurate as it should be here because as I looked, this word take up is used in many other places in the New Testament, the same word. For example, Helen spoke about the feeding of the 5,000 last week. And the scripture says, it uses the same word, arrow, when it says, they took up 12 baskets of leftovers after the feast. Same word. Lifted up. Took up. Same word. What about, it says, used in the same way of Simon when he is forced to carry the cross, uh, Jesus's cross on the way to to the crucifixion, it says Simon took up the cross, arrow, same word, took up the cross of Jesus and carried it for him. It's used also of John the baptizer when he says, here is the Lamb of God who takes on the sin of the world. He takes up the sin of the world. He lifts up the sin of the world upon himself. Same word. So what is my point? My point is that a... Uh, Really, the second part of the answer is also that any person working in a vineyard would tell you that new branches that are full of life and full of leaves, what happens? They fall off the trellis. They fall onto the ground. They get dusty and mildewy. And unless they are lifted up and placed back onto the trellis and become intertwined with the trellis, they stop bearing fruit and they are not fruitful. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying every one of us, That does not bear fruit. His kindness in our life. His grace in our life. He reaches into our lives and like a branch that's fallen into the dust, He lifts us up. He places us back into Himself. He intertwines our life with His so that we can bear more fruit. That's what He's saying. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would be so aware of each other, so caring for each other, that when we see one of our friends fallen down, a little bit full of dust, a little bit discouraged, a little bit out of it, a little bit on the fringe, that our automatic reaction would be like that of the Holy Spirit, like that of Jesus, that we would go to that person and lift them up and place them back into the trellis and say, Come on, I'm with you. Link arms with them, stand with them, pray with them, so that they are intertwined against once again with Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they can begin to bear much fruit, abundance, every one of us. Fruitful lives. And that's a powerful, powerful picture of what God wants to do for you and God wants to do for me. Now, I could speak about pruning, because it talks about pruning. I could speak about the whole second half of this, but I can't, because I don't have time. My encouragement to you this morning, as we have 10 years ahead of us, as we have this year ahead of us, as we are rooting ourselves in Christ, as we are learning to love each other, let's also be those that lift each other up, that connect each other into the vine, into the trellis that is Jesus, that let the Holy Spirit work in all of us, that we are aware of every single person, that we are looking out for the fallen ones, that all of us can bear fruitful lives. Amen. So that's my encouragement. And now we're going to look at some prophetic pictures of um, what God has been saying to us as a church, and then just finish with some key Three key things for the year, and I trust you'll be excited about those. But Helen is going to come and share some of the prophetic things that God has been saying.
1: Um, isn't it wonderful when we can look forward by just reminding ourselves what God has been saying? And because he's so faithful to speak... And uh, the, the word tells us not to despise prophecy by ignoring it and just not listening to it and cherishing it and praying through it. So we just want to remind ourselves as we look ahead, some words that God has spoken Um, Some of these words were like five, seven, eight years ago, but they they are so relevant for now. When God gives you a prophetic promise, don't think, oh, I don't see this happening, so it can't be from God. Hold on to it. If we use it to fight a a spiritual warfare so that we can claim the promises that God makes. So I've just found some pictures to try and capture some of the words, and I I just want to share them with you briefly before. So this, this one is not an advert for holiday in Greece, but um, this came when Ant and I were, two years ago we were on holiday in Portugal, and we were walking along the beach, and there was a boat, a beautiful boat moored right on the beach, and uh, we, we just said to ourselves, wow, that, that boat should actually be out in the deep water, it's here it is right in the shallows, and in that moment God just spoke to us and said, spoke to us about Forest Town Church and just said to us, you know, Forest Town has been in the shallows in the sense that God has re- been restoring and repairing. The shallows is a safe place. The shallows is a place where you can rest. It's a haven from the storms of life. Um, but I'm reading the ship to go out into the deep waters. And we just felt God start to say, get ready Get ready because this church is moving into a whole new season of, of more exploits in him, uh, deeper faith expectations in him, greater moves of the spirit, and we, we're going to be going out into the deep water. And um, that was a word that we got two years ago, but then as I was looking at these words um, from previous years, I um, I thought, ah, there's a theme going on here. And suddenly you see it all coming together. But almost eight years ago, Greg Haslam, who headed up Westminster Chapel, he um, gave us a word about a, a train engine in a siding being repaired and restored and getting ready to to go out, and he said, I've got you in a place of preparation and restoration, and we really did see for five or so years, there was God doing a deep work in us as a community, again, rooting us in the freedom that we have in Christ, and, uh, and then later, Andy Ollerton, who's coming next Sunday, he gave us another word. He didn't know about that one. He said, I see you like a train engine. Isn't it funny when the prophetic comes, God almost uses the same imagery. And he said, I see this train going round and round, practicing its paces, and it's going to go out and shoot out on its journey that I have for it. And again, the sense of I'm preparing you for something that I'm taking you into. So those were very wonderful words. And and then we got um, this. This was something. Do you remember in November last year? I felt this thing. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? It springs forth. Um, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And just, again, that stirring, that God is doing something that is going to be a work of the Spirit, not any human efforts. And we're going to see that in individual lives. And we've already seen that happen. And when we talk about fruitfulness... I just love that over the Christmas season, without us even telling you on a Sunday, six people put together enough money to build three houses in Cambodia, and that's all happened over Christmas time. Isn't that amazing? It's it's just sprung forth. It's been a way in the wilderness that God has just done supernaturally. I met with someone this week, and she was just sharing about how God is doing something so wonderful in their family, and it's just almost come without them even wondering, how did that happen? But just life is bursting forth in difficult places in their family life. This is what I'm talking about. God is saying he's going to do things where it seems a wilderness, where it seems barren. He's going to start to do amazing things in our midst. He's been preparing us. And I want to say to all of us, let's get ready. We are going into the deep waters. We're going into, and that's not scary, because we're going with God, but it's something more of what he has for us, and I just wanted to add a prophetic sense, and I'm just going to share this with you, which I felt this morning as I was preparing, and it's from Isaiah 61, and I want to just add it into the mix of what God is saying over the season. We know this passage so well. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, isn't that wonderful what we heard these guys doing? He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to those who are in captivity, the opening of the prison to those who are bound up, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. <clears throat> and then it says, to comfort all who mourn. How many of you have known the comfort of God in, in your places of grief and struggle? And it says to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And then it says these amazing words. They shall be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And it just reminded me again of what we spoke about last week, that God was going to plant all these different trees in the wilderness, and it was for the display of his splendor. And I wanted to say this morning, maybe you feel like you've been that prisoner bound up. Maybe you've been a person who's been in mourning and you've lost your joy. Or maybe you feel that you're someone uh, that has been brokenhearted. Those are the kind of people that God is saying they are going to be a display of my glory. Don't feel you are disqualified because of brokenness, because of sadness, because of loss, because of anything in your life that may you may feel says that's not displaying his splendor. God's promise to us this morning is that we are going to be oaks of righteousness that display his splendor, but it's going to be a restoring in our lives, and he's going to do an amazing thing. Oak trees are able to weather storms. Oak trees spread out their branches so far wide that others can sit in their shade. Oak trees have all little insects running in their lovely bark, and they become a source of life and comfort and nourishment to others. God is saying he's going to use every person here to become an oak that becomes a source of life and as we go into this new thing that God has for us. But don't be saying, well, that's okay for some. No, every single one, whatever your, your journey, God is saying, I'm making you into an oak of righteousness. So I just wanted to add that to the sense of what I feel God is saying for this season. I know there's one last picture of a cake. Is it up there? Yes. And this was a word Charlotte Ollerton gave us, a beautiful cake that God said, this church is like a delicious cake (laughs) that many people are going to enjoy and feel just yummy and joy. This is what God is doing. But he's also putting a glass dome over it. And the simple phrase, I'm protecting what I'm making and so we don't have to be fearful. We can be bold. We can step out because God has put his seal and his protection over what he's doing in this community. So.
0: Okay, we're we nearly done. But just uh, three big goals for us for this year coming out of this that we've been trying to share with you um, and wanting to be fruitful. Yes, three, three things that we want to aim at this year. The, um, the other way. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, the first is our 20th birthday, which we have spoken about already. Uh, we've planned May as a celebration month, but we really are going to be celebrating over the, the whole year. So please remember that in, in, in your calendar, and if you can please um, not go away in May and celebrate with us, and we want to invite people that have been part of the church that have moved away to different areas just to come and celebrate. Um, and so that's, that is going to be a great, great focus for us. And uh, next week, as we said, Andy is the first person to come and celebrate with us. Secondly, I'm meeting with a team of guys, the elders, the, de- the elders, trustees, and a, and a number of other people on Wednesday night. Please pray for us because we want to. Uh, just to, in more detail, look at our building project. Uh, this is a picture that Marius put together of a possibility of what we might be able to do to redo our cladding outside, to get the heating upstairs better, to redo our signage. And we've done a basic budget, but we're going we're gonna to be looking in detail on um, Wednesday together. And uh, I've asked some guys that I know are full of faith, that are faithful people, to come and be part of that team because we need to believe that God can do anything. And so we, we are thinking uh, at this, this point, and this will become more obvious, of a possible three-phase uh, program over the next two or three years. We don't want to draw it out too, too long because then it um, gets exhausting for everybody. But we'd like to redo the outside. We want to do a mezzanine extension here on the inside so that we can increase our office space and our rooms. So exactly what you see in the coffee shop, that mezzanine section will be doubled here. On the inside of uh, this auditorium and we double our space and then lastly because the kids zone is doing so well because fuse is growing because we're getting so many children we need to redo our outside complete uh, our children's rooms completely gut them and uh, start again so they were offices when we bought this building we need fewer and bigger spaces and so we've got uh, janine uh ball um drew up some ideas for us uh, already a year or so ago, which we'd love to be able to do as well. So those are the three things that we that we are, are planning uh, for your prayer. But as I said, we're going to speak on Wednesday uh, with a, a team. And then the third thing is we would love to see more of you being part of uh, these trips that we do. We are working with our friends Wayne and Renee from uh, Dresden. They have this um, team called Activate Network, which they've asked us to be a part of. And it simply is um, people that want to help other churches, really. And um, I felt God say to me a number of years ago, through Michael Eaton, I was chatting with him one day, and I felt God really just touched me. He said, if you take care of the poor, I will take care of you. That's, uh, I don't hear God very often in that way, but I felt God speak to me so clearly. And He said, if you take care of the poor... I'll take care of you. I will give you all that you need if you take care of the poor. And so it's not by accident that we go to Romania. It's not by accident we go to India. It's not by accident we go to Cambodia. It's not by accident that we are going to Eastern Europe. Largely countries that are coming out of communism and have very little. Why? Because that's the poor to me. And those are the kind of people that God is connecting us with. And so we want to be a blessing to them, and God's promise to us is that as we are a blessing to them, we will have all that we need for our lives and for ministry. And so that's why we want to support people like Young Life that are working into Hatfield. That's why we want to support STEP that are working into all the the schools in this area, where there are poor, the people that have not yet heard hear the gospel. Yet heard the gospel, we want to support wherever we can, so that the life of Christ can come. Amen. And so I want to encourage you. We, we've put, we will put the, all of this up in, on our. It is already all up on our calendar, and there are many opportunities for you to come. And like, as Clive said, don't feel like you're disqualified. You can be a great blessing wherever we go. And we have got local trips planned. We've got things that we're doing into this local community, and then also into Europe and into the world. Right, so those three little focuses for the year or big focuses for the year.
1: So Father, we, we want to thank you for this amazing church. Thank you for every person. Thank you for the gifts and the talents that you've given us. Uh, thank you that we get to use that in community to build something of your your, your purpose and your vision and your kingdom here on earth. Uh, I pray, Father, that you begin to speak to us. Uh, you would show us where you're wanting us to use our gifts in this season ahead and that we would be fruitful in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. So have a, have a cup of tea or coffee. Go and chat to someone. And if you're staying for lunch, we'll see you at 12.30 in the coffee shop.